Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We got some action here. I was getting all excited, um, Andrew Hahn. Oh, wait a minute. First off, is it, what am I supposed to say here, Andrew? Uh, it's Brian Windhorse and the Hoop Collective talking about trading Anthony Davis subscribe rate and review also uh good morning hello yes thank you um we have royce young in oklahoma city and royce i was all excited to talk about um nick collison's retirement ceremony Mm -hmm. and kevin durant coming back to attend it Uh, that was what i was all excited to talk about today and then at 6 a.m eastern i think it was 7 a.m eastern maybe we uh had the three alarm fire, and so we've also brought in our analyst extraordinaire in Seattle, who get up very early, uh, Kevin Pelton. Hello, Kevin. I got the dreaded uh, "call me as soon as you see this" message from my editor this morning, so I knew something was up. Oh boy! Um, when what was it? Just some <laughs> trade deadline fodder. Um, and we yeah. got uh, Josh back in Bristol spinning the uh, dials for this. So. Um, well, I don't like to do this, do callbacks and stuff, but if you listen to the Hoop Collective last week, I said that it was a really important week for the New Orleans Pelicans, and uh, they had a bad week. They lost um, several close games. Uh, Anthony Davis's finger wasn't deemed to be that bad, but he's going to be out, and um, D-Day has finally arrived, Rich Paul. Um, you know, he handled this kind of by the book, guys. He, um, Anthony Davis told his teammates... Uh, Rich Paul uh, formally informed the team that, one, he doesn't intend to sign the extension, which was a decision that was made a while ago, actually, and um, that he would like to be traded. Um, and then Rich went on the record and informed several media outlets, including Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN, um, on the record, not sources said. He, he said on the record, I, I don't think it's legal to, to ask for a trade. I don't know if you. I don't know if your agent can do it, so I don't know if he's facing a fine. But that's not all that important right now. And before we get into this, I'm just going to say that um, the decision that, that that he was not going to sign the extension was made a while ago. Um, there was a meeting um, that Anthony Davis had with Rich Paul in Cleveland at the beginning of January. The Pelicans had a road trip out east. They played in Brooklyn, had a really tough loss there, had two days off, and then played in Cleveland. Uh, and during that two-day time off, um, Pelicans came to Cleveland, and Rich met with Anthony Davis. And at that time, there were there were those of us in the league sort of on the balls of our feet, on high alert, what was going to come out of that meeting. There was a lot of people aware of it, and what ended up coming out of it was they're going to stick with the status quo. Um, but they had decided that um, they were they were not going to sign the extension. It was really just a matter of whether Anthony was going to play the season out or not, and um, the Pelicans were in like twelfth uh, or thirteenth place at the time, but they, you know, they Anthony was not ready to to punt on the season, and um, so that was the message that went out. We stood down, just keep monitoring it, and then we have the events of the last ten days, which was Anthony got hurt on his finger out in Portland, 
um, shut him down for a period of time. The Pelicans just kept losing, kept losing. And, and I think this is relevant. And I'm not saying that had they gone out and, and done something that it would have turned their fortunes. But the Pelicans have done zero with their roster. Nothing. Uh, and I realize they've had a lot of injuries, but there is nothing happened with that roster from training camp until now. Um, you look at the Houston Rockets. Um, they've had all these injuries. Daryl Morey cycled 20 different guys in and out. He went out and found a way to get Kenneth Fareed. He went out and found a way to get Austin Rivers. Um, you know, brought in two-way guys and did all this stuff, fighting, scrapping, clawing, doing everything he can. And then you've got uh, Del Demps and the Pelicans doing nothing, not a single solitary move. And I think, and I'm not saying that if they had been the one to get Kenneth Fareed that it would have changed anything, but a lack of activity by the Pelicans. And so that's the soliloquy. So, uh, uh, Pelton, what is your initial reaction to now what the, what the sequence of event, events will be? I mean, my initial reaction is that everything kind of hinges on what the Boston Celtics tell the, to the Pelicans in the next couple weeks here. Because, you know, assuming that they're even willing to, like, say, hey, Jason Tatum might be on the table this summer when we can trade for Anthony Davis without including Kyrie Irving, I, I think you kind of have to wait if you're the Pelicans because it seems likely that a Celtics package headlined by Tatum is going to you know, trump whatever you can get from another team and, and certainly what you can get from another team before the trade deadline. Royce, what, what did you think? Well, I mean, it's obviously, first of all, it's very... It's just disappointing in the sense for New Orleans Pelicans fans, and I know that's kind of a fan base that a lot of people overlook in the league, but there are a lot of fans, a lot of very good fans in New Orleans, and and basketball in New Orleans has been in a tenuous place for a number of years now, and you know a player of the of the star caliber of Anthony Davis has, you know, there, there's very few players that carry the kind of weight that uh, that he does, and even he, you know, if if you remove him. From New Orleans, then I fear that basketball in New Orleans uh, could go to a, kind of a dark place. So this is this is a critical juncture for the franchise, I think, in New Orleans. Um, but you know, I think what one thing that jumps out to me, Brian, is that it's a little unique about this situation versus some of these recent uh, trade requests or however you want to frame them. The Paul George situation in Indiana, Kawhi Leonard, is that there's not a specific destination that's been kind of laid out. You know, like and. and you know, Paul George had the connection with the Lakers, Kawhi Leonard just the connection in general with Los Angeles, and there's been these kind of directions that players have been pointed, and now, and you've seen other teams come in and try to kind of and, and take that player away to make their, their recruiting pitch. It, it feels like the canvas is a little bit more blank with Anthony Davis. Now, there's teams that, that, that I think, in terms of speculation, we're all kind of pointing towards. The Rich Paul connection in Los Angeles with the Lakers, they obviously want him. Boston, there's going to be a number of teams out there. But it, it, I don't think that there's a, a – the fact that Anthony Davis has a full year left on his contract opens up the options a little bit more here in terms of who might be willing to, to stick their neck out and make this type of move. Because I, I think there's a lot of teams – he's a different type of personality. And so I think a lot of teams might feel like – if you can get him into a winning culture, you know, I think back to that, I think it was an interview he did with Woj, um, was it a year ago maybe, where he referenced the Spurs as kind of a, Anthony Davis re referenced the Spurs as an organization he really admires. So I don't know that it's like this is a market play or anything like that. I think it's a franchise play, and I think Anthony Davis wants to go somewhere he can win and uh, in, a, in a culture and environment that he really likes. Okay, so Pelton, 
Um, now Davis has made his his move. He's got another move to make um, if he if he desires because he can threaten not to sign an extension with a team. So, but right now the ball is in the is in the Pelicans' court. To me, the Pelicans have um, two options. Option number one is to trade him before the trade deadline to the best possible market that they that they can. Obviously, when they make this demand now, they know that they're trying to force him away from the Boston Celtics because the Celtics cannot trade for him unless they trade Kyrie Irving. Trading Kyrie Irving is probably out because Irving is a free agent to be. He's probably not staying in New Orleans. I suppose it's possible to make a three-way trade where Kyrie would end up somewhere else where you could still uh, get satisfied New Orleans, but that's pretty difficult. And the whole point Boston wants to do here is they want to pair Irving and Anthony Davis. Irving and Anthony Davis, I have been told, have a positive relationship dating from Team USA and that they keep in touch and have discussed playing together. Uh, I don't know whether that's true or not. I have not asked Anthony or Kyrie that. Um, but one of the Boston's big recruiting tools in all this um, you know, has been in their mind uh, Kyrie Irving. Um, so that's not really feasible to think the Celtics are going to make a deal this season. So if you force a trade before the trade deadline, really what you're trying to do is gear him to Los Angeles. So option A would be to, to, to do the best deal you could possibly make, probably with the Lakers, maybe with the Knicks, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, then there's option B, which is to not trade him now and uh, play it out till the summer when the Celtics could enter the market. And even if you didn't take the package that the Celtics offered, just having the Celtics as bidders, where there's multiple picks possibly involved um, um, and, uh, you know, top players could up the ante for other teams. Just having the Celtics as a bidder is, is interesting. Right now the, the Pelicans have the are tied for the eighth worst record in the league. They could in theory, Kevin, shut Anthony Davis down the rest of the season, say he's got a finger injury, he's not gonna play, go into full tank mode, uh try to get down to maybe the, the fourth or fifth worst record and get a top five, six pick. Um, and just just ice Anthony Davis and his penalty for demanding the trade is not play. That's one way they could play it. Um, what do you think they should do? What would you do in their in their in their situation? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on again what the Celtics tell them that they they have a lot of control over what happens in terms of how much they're willing to promise that they're willing to offer. You know, on July first when they can, or July after the moratorium when they can actually make this trade. I would say I think more so than the LA teams and, and you know the Lakers in particular. I feel like New York is the team that benefits the most if the Pelicans do decide to make a move now because you know they making a trade this summer involving Kristaps Porzingis would be really difficult with him as a restricted free agent. He'd have to agree to a sign and trade, and you know it doesn't seem likely that New Orleans would be a place that he'd want to go after you know starting his career in a major media market. Uh, so, you know, right now, Porzingis is an option, and he might not be in the summer. So I think it gives the Knicks more options than almost anyone else. Uh, and, and I guess to, then to cover your last point on the, the draft pick, that is a case where, you know, it could be an unintended consequence of the changes we've seen to the lottery this year, where it's a lot less valuable to tank your way from the fourth worst record to the worst record now, 
but it's a, it's more valuable to go from you know the eleventh worst record to the seventh worst record, something like that, which you know is the kind of choice I think the Pelicans are facing right now because now you've got a realistic chance of jumping up into the top four if you start in seven or eight in a way you didn't before. And also, if you if you wait, you know, and the Knicks have the number one overall pick. That's right, and that and that's Zion Williamson. I mean that that's that's as intriguing a, as a trade option I think as New Orleans is going to get right. So it's not only just the yep. fact that you get maybe a transformative player in Zion Williamson, but again, when you go back to just basketball in New Orleans, that's a player that you can roll this over to and say, okay, here mm-hmm. here's somebody that you want to come come watch play. So like that's that's an intriguing option. And then from the New York side of things, obviously it's Anthony Davis. But there's to me, I'm also thinking about the other guy out there, Kevin Durant. And if you if you can land Anthony Davis before free agency, uh, Kevin Durant's going to take a, a different viewpoint, I think, in terms of the Knicks. Now, maybe maybe I'm completely wrong, and you you would you'd probably have to you know you're going to have to shuffle some some cards around to to make sure that you have the max salary sl- uh, slot still. But um, but if you have Anthony Davis sitting there on that roster. Kevin Durant's probably going to give the Knicks a little bit harder look. Yeah, so um, I can just tell you that the, the, the Knicks are on the board. Anthony Davis has interest in the Knicks, I have been told. Um, now, th- I don't know where they rank or whatever, but I do think that there is interest there. Um, the question is, um, if you're New Orleans, again, do you do a, do you look to do a deal now, which I would be asking for their I don't want Porzingis, to be honest with you. I mean, if I get Porzingis, I want Porzingis and the pick. Um, yeah, right, I want agree. the pick. I want the pick. But I also don't want to trade um, Anthony Davis to the Knicks, who are now have the second-worst record in the league. Or actually, maybe they're even tied in the win column with the Cavs. I think they both have 10 wins. And then Anthony Davis yeah. helps them win some games. Again, I think it more behooves you, and as, as Pelton just mentioned, with the uncertain lottery odds, why not just wait until you know the draft order? Right. I mean, do you um, want the number four pick? The, the difference between the four pick and the one pick, or even the two pick, is pretty significant, right? For sure. But I mean, if you're if you're New Orleans, okay, and you're figuring out what your rebuild is, I mean, Anthony Davis is gone. He's going to be traded. The guys who demand trades get traded. Whether he gets traded before next week or whether he gets traded July fifth right. is to be determined. But if I'm New Orleans and I can tank my way out of into it let's just say into a top seven pick and i potentially could trade anthony davis for another top seven pick whether that mm-hmm. be via uh boston whether that be via new york um, and i can go into this big draft and somehow finagle away to get two top five to two top seven picks that's what i want i don't necessarily want chris Ap porzingis coming off of a torn acl um, and if I can start my rebuild with two top picks in this draft, and this draft is very top heavy, right, Pelton? You want like in the top six or seven. You don't want two in the lottery. Um, and that's what, that's a factor with Boston here is that Boston may not have a high lottery pick. Um, depending on what happens with Memphis, right, Kevin? Yeah, they, they very likely will not. I mean, because that pick is, you know, protected. Uh, it, it would have to be probably Sacramento dipping a bit and getting really lucky for them to, you know, get a top four pick uh, at this point. Yeah, and the other thing, I'd, and I'd say in this year's draft, it's it, there's a big drop-off between Zion and everyone else. I mean, I, people are very excited. But about if what you're John getting Ron one of these doing, other but... top five guys, you're excited about it. 
You're yeah. excited about, but right. I mean, I think this is a conversation we probably have to have here: is what is New Orleans seeking in this? Because you know, we we were joking before the uh, before the pod started about the return being Lamar Odom and Pau Gasol from the Lakers. Uh, in that first original version of the Chris Paul trade, Dell Demps prioritized going out and getting veterans over getting young talent and draft picks. Are the Pelicans going to do that same thing here because they believe they can't rebuild in New Orleans? I mean, is it kind of Zion or bust in terms of draft picks? Um, it's a good question. He's never Dell has never valued the draft. Um, he's repeatedly traded picks, and they haven't pressured to well at all. Well, right. Um, you know, he's had, let's see, who's he drafted, Kevin? He drafted Austin Rivers. That was a lot of pick that he used. Buddy Healed. Yeah. Not it a bad pick. Turned out to be a good pick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, should have kept him. Um, uh, they traded him. I mean, they just, they haven't valued young players. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm predisposed to be routed into this mold, but this just reminds me so much of the way the Cavs went about building in LeBron's first seven years. Um, they just they they didn't have patience with young players. When they did draft young players, they drafted uh, guys who didn't have much upside, guys who they felt could immediately help right away. Um, they was a, like JJ Hickson was the only like really raw young guy that they got that they spent any time with, and they constantly flipped those players for any sort of veteran they could have that could help them win the next five minutes. Now they had some really good teams, but that's what. Essentially, New Orleans has done, you know, trading multiple first-round picks for guys like Omera Sheik, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, except except maybe, they didn't have the good teams. That's right. That's right. So, um, well, to me, if you're New Orleans, um, let's just talk about the Lakers because that's the right of the red meat. Um, if I'm if I'm forced to do a deal with the Lakers. Uh, I'm going to wring every last drop out of it. I'm going to ask for all three young players. And I'm going to make the Lakers take Solomon Hill, too. I'm going to make them take my bad contract off my books. And I'm going to ask for a first-round pick in the future, too. And I'm not saying you get all that, but the Lakers are going to be under pressure to execute this deal now before the Celtics get into it and also um, you know, to re-energize this season. Um, Pelton, do you, th- I mean, you know, if you're the Lakers, how far to the end of the earth are you going here to make this deal? I mean, it's a little tricky here because, you know, the, this is true to a lesser extent, I think, of the Knicks, but it's really true for the Lakers that you got to value Anthony Davis against both the young players and what else you would be doing with that cap space you'd have this summer, which they're no longer, it doesn't seem like they're assured of getting a star player, but... You know, worst case scenario, if you throw a max deal at Chris Middleton, is, is he probably taking that to come play with you? Probably. So you're talking about a much deeper team and a team that has an option to go out and make a move down the line, whether it's, you know, maybe someone like Damian Lillard in several years, if, if things go south in Portland, which they, they haven't in a way that the Lakers probably had hoped uh, they would so far. You know, I, I mean... <laughs> I think there's a lot of teams that now, one of the differences, I think, between this situation and the Paul George and Jimmy Butler and even Kawhi trades is, you know, teams that were in that bidding, I think a lot of them could look at AD and say, it's okay if we don't get this guy because there's another one coming. Team, I think a lot of teams won't see it that way with Anthony Davis, but I think the Lakers maybe should a little bit. Yeah. 
I mean, like, that's the thing is that these players don't come onto the market to where they're gettable very often, a player of this caliber. And, you know, you look at Paul George, for example, and what a um, what a swing player that is in terms of which direction a franchise can go. And so if you can get your hands on that level of player, that can change your outlook for a number of years. And so if I'm the Lakers, Brian, like – I understand that they like some of these young players and I understand Kyle Kuzma is a nice young player and that you know you don't want to get you don't want to get too carried away but you have accelerated your your opportunity here by getting LeBron James. And LeBron while he might be able to play at a super high level until he's 38 or 39 years old. We we can all hope that that happens. Um, you, you have a very <clears throat> obvious tangible window of opportunity here with one of the greatest players of all time. So I don't think that you can just sit there and say, well, let's just let's hold back and see what uh, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and a, and a future first-round pick can do for us. Y- you, can, you, you, you jump the ladder significantly if you add Anthony Davis to pair with LeBron James. It's pretty straightforward in my mind that if, if I'm the Lakers, I am putting a robust offer on the table. Because, robust. Like, well, like, what's the, what's the alternative that, that, you know, like – what is the ceiling of this Lakers team? Even if some of these other some of these guys develop and get, and get a lot better, how good are they really? And the way you win NBA championships in today's NBA is by stacking star talent on top of each other, and it doesn't get much much better than Anthony Davis and LeBron James together. Okay, so two things I want to say. One, I'm looking at all these. Um, there's people already coming out there with their five for one player trades: the Lakers for Anthony Davis. This is not July. You cannot have 20 guys on your roster. You can have 15. So if you're going to trade four Lakers for Anthony Davis, you got to bring back four Pelicans. Or you got to you yeah. create the roster spots for all that to work out. So when you go to your trade machine, you're going to have to say, you know, you got to, you know, you got to bring back Tim Frazier or Ian Clark or Darius Miller. Or you got to get a third team in there somewhere that that you reroute a player for a pick or something. But that's that's just a functional. The second thing is, do you remember when Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers? Um, The Clippers people had been trying and been dreaming about getting their hands on the Clippers for decades. The Clippers were finally for sale. There were all these businessmen out there who gathered their money together to try to make a bid for the Clippers. Guys who'd wanted teams for a long time. Anthony Ressler ended up buying the um, Hawks was one of them. I'm trying to think who were the other bidders. Um, Bruce Karsh, a guy who might end up owning a team in the future, was another one. And Steve Ballmer knew this. Steve Ballmer knew there was a lot of bidders. So what did he do? He knew there were bids in there for $1.2 and $1.4 billion. Steve Ballmer said $2 billion cash on the barrel head. I will write the check today. Okay. He said, I'm going to end the bidding right now. The Lakers are not in position to win a bidding war. Okay, If it gets to the summer, they are not going to have the high draft pick. They are not going to have the young talent like Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, and we can spend an hour debating on what the offer might be. They're not going to have the top three pick that will get them Cameron Reddish or um, Zion Williamson that the Knicks might have. Their chance is to make this to end the bidding now. And the way you do that is to basically offer everything. You offer the young players, you offer a draft pick, you offer to take Solomon Hill, you offer to make a deal that nobody else can make today. 
I think it's the Lakers' only play. Um, I could listen to a long white paper about how about negotiating techniques. I can listen to um, uh, a TED talk. I can look at a PowerPoint presentation about how you negotiate. And all of that is true, and I don't deny all of that, and I think there's a game to be played and everything. In this particular situation where there's an asset that's extremely rare that you may not be able to get your hands on in six in six months, I think you got to go all in right now. Kevin, what do you yeah. think? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess my question is, do we think that even if the Lakers went did like basically everything in their power, you know, maybe it's not all four first round picks you and swap rights, like you could hypothetically go over that. But like a realistic we're we're gonna put in all our young guys plus the draft picks plus take that guy. Do you think that would still top it? Because I think one of the big questions here is how do the New Orleans Pelicans, how does Dell Demps view Lonzo Ball? He's such a polarizing player within the league where, you know, the I think the uh, the analytics types, myself included, still think he's going to be a really valuable, is and is going to be a really valuable player in the league. But, you know, there's a lot of scouts that just don't like his game whatsoever, don't like the idea of bringing LeVar Ball into the organization, even though, you know, that hasn't really been a factor for the Lakers this year. And I feel like, you know, if, if the Pelicans are one of those teams, then that kind of kind of ruins the idea of a, a Lakers, you know, massive offer right off the bat. I mean, yeah, Brian, it's basically you, you either have Anthony Davis or you don't. And I think this might be oversimplifying it, but let, let's just say that this is a free agency play. And You've got some of these players that you need to you need to let their contracts expire to come off the books so that you could just have the cap space to sign Anthony Davis. For the most part, any team would do that, right? Like if this was just like, okay, we need to let this contract expire, this contract expire, and this contract expire. They're nice players, but like we're going to do that so that we have the cap space in order to sign Anthony Davis. Tangibly, like what's really the difference there if that's a player that you want to get? So – yeah, I think you make the Godfather offer. You, you, and I, even still, if I'm New Orleans, I might be saying, I don't know, that doesn't seem like I, I'm not that thrilled with, and I'm not that excited about whatever the late, even even a massive offer from the Lakers, just because it doesn't include a lot of future assets that that to me would really invigorate the fan base a whole lot. Well, the thing is, if you wait till this summer, you would have the cap space, so. You wouldn't have to go. You wouldn't have to go overboard to satisfy the trade rules. Um, you would have the alternative of of having free agents. You know, again in a vacuum, you wouldn't want to negotiate like this. You wouldn't want to, like Pelton mentioned, give up your cap space and your young players. But mm-hmm. I can see why they would feel this way. I mean, Royce, Oklahoma City was sort of facing a similar choice when they tried to make a decision which way to go and we saw which way they went they kept fighting yeah well the, are you talking about with Durant here specifically well I mean they had the option they could have traded Durant Kevin left. Durant yeah well because I mean, uh, you know well, there's also Drew Holiday is in yeah. here too and Drew Holiday is having a really good season I mean it's not a real possibility that the Pelicans could trade Drew Holiday can, by next so week, depending on what, what you about want this? to do. This is just a radical, a radical thought. And this is not going to happen, but I'm going to throw this hypothetical out anyway. Like, why not, if, if you're the Pelicans, why not just, like, you gather together and you say, okay, what's it look like if we just try to keep Anthony Davis? And I understand it's like, well, but he, re- he basically requested a trade. Like, why would you do that? But you still have the guy under contract for a season and a half. 
And you've seen how like these recruitment efforts, Paul George specifically, have worked out. And I understand that, that things have gone south, but you have time if you're New Orleans still to try to shuffle the decks a little bit and, and maybe you can rework it. it. Let's not forget, a year ago, the, the New Orleans Pelicans swept the Portland Trailblazers were, were in the second round of the playoffs. And you mentioned that they have had some significant injury issues. Miritich has basically been absent for the last month and a half, and he's a significant factor in terms of, of, uh, of, of what the Pelicans do. I know it's, it's absolutely idiotic to say, okay, the guy asked out, why not just go ahead and try to keep him? But again, these players don't come around very often. The moment you trade Anthony Davis, you're back to trying to find Anthony Davis. And, and to me, there's almost a risk-reward factor there that it's like, maybe just, maybe just take your shot and see if, the, if, if you could, maybe trading Drew Holiday, maybe doing something very bold again, to, to kind of shuffle the decks to try to pair somebody with Anthony Davis is, is a better play than just saying, okay, what's the poo-poo platter from, from Los Angeles get me? That's an organizational decision that's made at the ownership level. We don't know a lot about how Gail Benson feels about this. Um, you know, Kevin, this is one of these philosophical things about what you do. I think, you know, historically you look at it and most, most times when a player demands a trade, he gets it. And kind of what you're hoping to do here, if you're if you're New Orleans, what's your goal? Your goal is, you know, kind of what Indiana did, right? And and they didn't trade for draft picks; they traded for guys who were in the league. But your goal is to that's true. Good to, point. To, to pivot, um, sort of as fast and efficiently as possible. Um, I, I I don't see how New Orleans. I mean, I can understand why. I mean, I think it's a discussion. I think you. You know, and I, and I, it, I think the owner, the owner sort of sets the tone here, and she just doesn't have a track record long enough for us to know. Um, you know, when Kobe Bryant demanded a trade, uh, Jerry Buss said, "We're not going to trade you." Right. Um, That's he did have some. He did have some conversations, but he basically said, "We're not going to trade you." Um, but that was a totally different organization with a totally different owner who, you know, had a lot of. Um, capital within his own market and he, and he knew that he knew how to build championship teams it's really not apples to apples at all but I mean Kevin don't you think that the organization is probably going to come to the conclusion that trading him is what you have to do I, I think so and I mean the one thing we have heard from Gail Benson on this she did an interview I think it was in December with the athletic uh, the, their Saints beat writer I believe who said and said, uh, I really like Anthony, but if he wants to, if he wants to leave, you can't hold him back. So it doesn't necessarily sound like now that you know they've gotten this clear signal from him that he does want to trade, like they're going to stand in his way. I mean, I, I think the issue is like if you're the Lakers, you know, and Kobe Bryant, you know, you've got a really desirable market. The team hasn't played as well as you know you've wanted. Even if the Pelicans were really competitive, though, quite frankly, I think there would still be the possibility of Davis leaving. And I don't think there's, I mean, it's far from a certainty. It's not a, I just don't even know if it's realistic for them to get to the point where, you know, is there any move, combination of moves they could make that could, could get them to the Western Conference Finals before Anthony Davis's contract expires? I, I think it's a long shot. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the, well, the landscape of the West could round, look different. They were in the second round last year. Yeah, and the you landscape know, of the West they, could look different next swept. year if Kevin Durant Fair, but, but, I mean, you know... You know, they look at this roster and say, you know, the majority of this roster had us in the second round. I mean, they may not, you know, 
I mean, it's. I think it's, one of the lessons this season, the Blazers have gotten pretty lucky in terms of how their record is compared to their point differential, which is not that much better than New Orleans before Davis got hurt, and their records were wildly different. But I think one of the lessons here is we read a bit too much into those four games that of the Pelicans sweeping the Blazers, and that that was a fluke. That might be true. Yeah. Well, um, I I also think that you know New Orleans. Uh, you know, you, you if you're if you're gonna go down, if you're gonna start a rebuild, you have to have the right temperament for it. You have to have, you know, there's some organizations that just don't believe in in bottoming out. Um, you know, New Indiana is one of them. They just mm-hmm. Indiana has never been a team that has said, "All right, we're gonna go and go all the way down to the bottom." And that was why when they traded Oladipo, they were looking for. I'm sorry, traded for Oladipo. They were looking for that type of trade. They were not looking for give me two first round picks or what have you. And again, part of this is going to be a read on the organization. We don't really have that information yet because we don't know how Gail Benson. And by the way, what a terrible like eight days for New Orleans. Oh, seriously. Um, uh, they lose the NFC Championship game in that way. They they got fans filing lawsuits because they're not over it, and then. Uh, then this happens. Okay, is there any other team out there? Uh, you know, New York, Boston, and L.A., uh, but is there any other team out there? I will say this. One of the worst-kept secrets in the in the league is that Anthony Davis does not want to play in Chicago, his hometown. Um, so even though that would be romantic and the Bulls certainly have, I mean, hell, Pelton, think about the Bulls, like, offering, you know, Markinen and Levine or, I mean, Markinen and Wendell Carter. I mean, well, and then, then another team that could potentially, you know, get a top top three pick. I mean, the Bulls can put together a hell of an offer, but I, I, I mean, unless Anthony Davis has had a major change of heart since I was last informed, he does not desire to play in his hometown. So I'm gonna take the Bulls off the market. Um, who else? There's some other is East out teams. There? Like what? What about the Heat? I mean, like the yes, Heat. That's the team yeah, I was thinking. I think the Heat could could put together. I mean, some combination of either Winslow, Richardson. Um, I mean, there's 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 something there. I think that you could you could put together. The Heat have a lot of average to good players on big contracts. Um, you, it's like you look at their. You know, I think they're exactly five hundred. Um, every single night, they have like five or six guys in double figures. Seems like it changes by the night. Um, you know they're constantly dealing with some injury. Um, they've only got one guy on their team who's ever been an All Star, which is Goran Dragic, who was an injury replacement last year. But okay, it was an All Star. Um, it's not an exciting trade, but again, if you say okay, we've got Drew Holiday, we've got Nico Miritich, we want a couple of players to um, to sort of buttress what we have and try to retrofit on the fly and you could ask for the Heat's first round pick which you know will probably be in the teens um, you know is that is that compelling to anybody yeah no. I mean I I mean I think that's, not, that's what makes, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna pour cold water on I mean I think that's okay. what makes the Celtics such a fascinating team here is they can offer you all the draft picks Plus, they can also offer you young players who got them to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, not young players who are helping the Heat get to 500 this year. Right. There's a lot of East teams. How about this one? Brad Beal for, for uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean, 
does Brad Beal and Drew Holiday is that more exciting than getting? I don't know. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think you could. Like I'm looking at the Charlotte Hornets roster. I'm thinking, okay, you got Miles Bridges, Malik Monk. There's a couple young players. You could, you know, throw in uh, maybe like Cody Zeller. Like you kind of do that type of thing. If you're the Hornets, you're you're desperate to try to take a step forward. Pair Anthony Davis with Kimball Walker. I think there's a lot of these teams that have been on the fringes, especially if you're in the Eastern Conference and you're saying, look, I'm an Anthony Davis away from maybe being able to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So like it might be it, it's worth it's worth taking your big swing here. Well, if you're gonna gonna if you're gonna do hypothetical Eastern Conference teams, what about Milwaukee? Well, that's just not even fair, though. If you're gonna do that, that's just like you can't you can't. I think it's against the CBA, Brian, to put that much length on the floor at one time. Um, like, that's not even. It's not. Well, even you know, they have well, a I mean, bunch the of ex- Milwaukee. Yeah, all of their pro- contracts are expiring. I think New Orleans is gonna want guys who are under team control for a period of time here. Uh, yeah, but you could always say you're going to resign these guys. You know, I mean, yeah, but how then, then am I at that? Yeah, well, and then you start, then you could start kind of hamstringing yourself a little bit, where it's like now you're you're stuck with uh, you know a, a player that you may may not have really wanted all that badly. To know, me, the other team worth discussing is Philly, right? If, if Philly's willing to offer Ben Simmons, that's the guy who can potentially trump Jason Tatum in terms of, you know, getting a young player on a rookie contract who can help you immediately because Ben Simmons is almost certainly going to be announced an all-star in three days here, and Jason Tatum isn't. Boy, yeah, and um, Ben Simmons be represented else. by Rich Paul. <laughs> that would be a nice little maneuver. Um, ben Simmons played at LSU. We talked actually talked about this a few weeks ago as a possibility. Um, you couldn't just do it for Ben Simmons. I don't know how the trade would have to be structured. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of the things Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. He wants to play power forward. Uh, he wants to stretch, you know, he wants to stretch the floor. He doesn't want to play inside. And B does want to play inside, doesn't want to stretch the floor. Um you know, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you. I, you know, if you had Jimmy Butler, if you had Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, and Joel Embiid, I don't know who would play point guard. Markel Fultz. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's pretty compelling. Um, you'd be really rolling the dice there because Jimmy's a free agent, and you know. Um, Davis only has a year. You know, you you have control over Simmons, but I think we can all agree, or maybe I don't know. Pelton, do you agree that that, that trio in Philly is a good fit? I don't think they're a perfect fit, and they're going to have to do something about it eventually, anyway. If you're going to do something about it, could you do something about it to get Anthony Davis? Yeah, I don't know if I would take a risk on dealing a guy who can be a free agent and putting him in a locker room with Jimmy Butler because uh, that that hasn't gone super great in the past, but. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best recruiting tactic. <laughs> <laughs> if I could somehow trade Jimmy Butler as part of this trade, I might want to do that. But, uh, I mean, it, it's certainly the most interesting possibility, I think, from the Pelican standpoint. Like, that's a call. I, a lot of this, I think, we're thinking about is who are the teams who are calling the Pelicans. If we're talking about teams that the Pelicans should be proactively going out and calling, I, I think the Sixers are high on that list. Yeah. What about, what about this is another just radical, just throwing stuff at the wall. But, like, 
since we're talking top-level Eastern Conference teams, if the Raptors are all in with recruiting Kawhi Leonard to stay, like what could they put together to say? Because if you if you get Anthony Davis to say, hey, now now you, Kawhi, you want to stay around another year at least, you can play another year with Anthony Davis. I mean, you could offer Siakam. I don't know, Valanchunas. I'm kind of trying to piece this together I here. Love, I love Siakam. I know Siakam. Ananobi. I mean, that's that's a that yeah, Ananobi. That's a good one. Oh, I mean. Oh. It seems like we're getting into the the highly speculative portion. Uh, let's just keep throwing them out here. So, but before yeah, we get do yours, that, get yours in there, Han. Well, no, what we have to do is we have to we have to pause for a commercial break on some oh. platforms. And so, while we do that, um, Brian's going to fill us in on where Anthony Davis is actually going to go. Okay. I heard his phone buzzing, so I know he knows. And um, he loves that cuisine, and I hear that yeah. makes a big wow. Difference, you know, I think that wow. team makes a lot of sense, Brian. I think that that is that. that makes and we're a lot back, of sense. and we're back. Um, Brian, I had one question about all of this because Royce was talking about Toronto and like pushing all in and trying to recruit Kawhi Leonard, trying to recruit Anthony Davis. Are there teams like uh, Oklahoma City or Philly? Uh, that kind of are you going to emerge out of nowhere and just roll the dice and try and recruit Anthony Davis for one season, even though he may state that he he doesn't want to go to a city like that. One team I sort of am curious about is Denver has a lot of pieces. Let's say would Denver just want to say like let's try and do the same thing that Oklahoma City did with Paul George? So here's the way it's been described to me: Anthony Davis wants to go to an organization where he can see himself winning multiple championships. And that sounds like a basic thing, but it's a guiding principle. Um, you know, the way it was described to me, you know, Anthony's high school team was not very good, which I, I, I find it hard to believe that a guy who was a number one overall pick in the draft a year later, like his senior year of high school, his team only won like six or eight games or something. I, I I almost I almost want to go down that rabbit hole and figure out how the hell that's possible. <laughs> um, but um, you know he was on he was not on a good team. Um, then he went to Kentucky, and they they had the championship run. They had this magical season where they won the title, um, and that was just everything to him. He loved it so much, and he had a great year, National Player of the Year, everything. Um, and then he went to the to the Pelicans, who I think have made the playoffs twice in his career, and they've won one playoff series. They had never won a playoff game until last season. And, and I remember I was at his first playoff win. It was in Portland. He played great. Drew Holiday played great. Playoff Rondo showed up. They dominated the game. And I remember talking to him after the game about um, when he getting his first playoff win. And he goes, look, obviously I, I don't want to relish just one playoff victory, but this is what I've been working towards and dreaming about for years. And I think he longs for that type of scenario where he's just a, a competitor every year. And I think he wants to go to a first-class organization. That's the way it's been described to me. And I don't think it's in, the intention is to throw shade at the Pelicans, but I think if you took a fair and honest vote amongst the NBA teams that they would not say that the Pelicans rate as a first-class organization. And... Um, People would get very upset about that, um, but I think that's why he thinks about the Lakers or the Celtics 
Uh, I'm not sure how the Knicks fit in, but um, uh, they certainly, um, you know, will spend at a at a first class organization rate. Um, and but Newark was floated to me, so he wants you know he wants to go somewhere where he's going to enjoy living. And I think it's important to point out that he has a house in Malibu, and he spends his summers in Los Angeles. Um, it's a factor. I don't know if it's factor number one or factor number five, but it's a factor. And I also think that the quality of the organization. Now, where does that leave a team like Denver? I don't know. Um, you know, I think I talked on the pod last week about how Denver just so, so, so badly wanted to get in front of LeBron to pitch him because they were so confident on where they were headed as an organization. And I'm sure that they would be very confident on Anthony Davis, but the same, you know, representation that, you know, with LeBron who wouldn't give a meeting, they'd have to convince that. And this is what I mean by Anthony having another sort of lever to pull in this game. Um, at some point here, we're going to get to the point where there's a, a trade possibility. And that team is going to ask for permission to trade, to talk to Anthony's representation, either Anthony himself or Rich Paul. And they're going to say, will Anthony want to be here long term? Because if I'm the Boston Celtics, I can't offer Jason Tatum for a one-year rental. I mean, maybe Danny Ainge is crazy enough and is secure enough and a bigger believer in his team enough to do it anyway. But if you're going to make the premium, premium offer, the offer that you know New Orleans is going to want, I think that you've kind of got to get the wink and the nod. Um, you know, this is kind of comparable to when the Cavs traded for Kevin Love. Um, the Pelic- the uh, Timberwolves granted permission. Kevin Love had a meeting with the Cavs front office and owner Dan Gilbert. He was one year left on his contract, and they said, Kevin, we cannot trade um, the number one overall pick in the draft uh, plus another first-round pick for you on a one-year rental. And Kevin basically said, I'm here. I want to be here for the long term. They couldn't, under league rules, agree. Who knows exactly what was agreed to in that room, but whatever was said in that room, it got the Cavs comfortable to trade um, Andrew Wiggins and a future number one and um, uh, the the past number one, Anthony Bennett. But um, that was just to balance out the deal, to do the deal. And so will there be a moment where Anthony has to be on the phone or in the room with the Knicks or the Celtics or the Lakers to say yes or no. And then that would be another big moment here. This is just the first of several big moments. And that's going to be a big factor in how this goes down. And it's also going to be a big factor on the game of chicken, whether or not, you know, the Celtics, if they get to, if this gets to July, would be willing to play a dice game without a promise and stuff like that. These are all things that are going to play into this, and they're all really, really important, and they're all part of this strategy that it has to be worked out between now and when this deal is made. And and Kevin Pelt, let me ask you this: if you're the if you're Mickey Loomis, Mickey Loomis is the president of the of the Saints and of the um, of the Pel the Pelicans. He operates both teams. He's more of a football guy, but he is technically the overseer. Um, from everybody that I've talked to at New Orleans, um, he gives Dell Demps wide latitude. He does not loom over. Um, do you let Dell Demps make this trade, or do you make it yourself, or do you seek 
a different executive to make this trade based on Dell's history? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question about this process because you know if Dempsey's job is you know in some jeopardy and you feel like he's going to make a trade to try to win you know be competitive now remain competitive now and that doesn't bring you the kind of future returns you're expecting because of the fact that he's trying to save your job then that's an untenable situation for the organization. That's you know if his job is in jeopardy. You have to, I think, make that change now to be fair to the long-term future of the organization and and bring someone else in there. So, you know, I think it kind of depends how I'm already feeling about Dell Demps. Yeah, you can't just like say like, okay, you better get this one right because this is not an easy thing to to, right. to like put on the table of somebody to evaluate their future. So, if if you're not if if at this point you're not convinced that this is the guy that 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 you're rolling with, then. Uh, you, you might as well make make a change now because this is this is a uh, landmark moment in franchise history. This is this is kind of the fulcrum right here where you're going to go one way or the other, and getting this trade as right as possible is is really going to set the path for you over the next five to ten years. And if we've talked about for the last forty five minutes, look at all of the at, of the facets that are involved here. Look at all of the different things you have to consider. And I know that we're not covering it all. There's a lot. There's even more. And um, you know, Kevin, I mean, what's your – I mean, Dell has always been very good to me, but, I mean, what's your evaluation of the way Dell has done trades? I mean, it's – I would not say that it's been the strongest suit for him. Yeah, I mean, they've had – you know, they've the, the Drew Holiday trade ended up being a winner, I, I think, long-term yes. for them. Uh, he's been, you know, everything they expected. But in general, I mean, I think you just look at the overall track record. I, I feel bad for the people – of New Orleans for Hornets fan or Hornets, for Pelicans fans, I guess they, they started as the Hornets when they drafted him. Uh, I, I feel bad for them, but I don't feel bad for the organization that Anthony Davis has asked out. They've had him for you know a, an extended period of time here, and they have not been able to put a competitive team on the court. Even a team that's anywhere remotely as competitive is those Cleveland teams that didn't have much help around LeBron James that you talked about. Now, part of that is LeBron James is another t- tier of you know, in the GOAT discussion rather than just a superstar player. But part of it is they, ha- they haven't been good enough. And I think it's completely fair that Anthony Davis is ready to go somewhere else where he feels like he has a better chance of winning. Then, you know, ultimately that's, that's going to fall largely on, on the, the management there. Yeah, this is a little bit of the curse of the Western Conference, like you said, Kevin. But, like, Anthony Davis is the caliber player that you should be better than this. Like you, sh- like he is. He is not some just just star level player. He is a player that is good enough on his own to elevate you into. And he's having a great where, season. Yeah, and he's he's never you know for the last four years basically he has not been anything but great. Now there's been some some injury issues and he's had to overcome those for whatever reason. Anthony Davis picks up just kind of the weirdest little nagging injuries throughout an NBA season. I think that's honestly because he plays so hard and he plays so well and he's such a target of teams and they put so many big bodies on him and so much attention on him because he impacts the game as much as any singular player in the NBA. He is an absolute unbelievable force. You know, I was in New Orleans for the Thunder Pelicans game, and I, I think Anthony Davis scored 45 or 47 or something like that. And it was it was one of the most single dominant games you're going to see in the NBA. Just a just a a solo player overtaking a game and overwhelming a game, and he is that good to do. So th- the point being, like you said, KP, 
to not have that to have that player and not be able to elevate yourself to where you are consistently a 50 win team rigidly in the postseason and, and trying to figure out not how to get out of the first round but get into the Western Conference Finals and above that is an indictment on an organization. I have to say um, it took it took you know some people have said that Anthony is can be a bit of a wallflower, but it took a lot of guts for him to fire his agent. And go with Rich Paul because he knew what the backlash was going to do. But when he hired Rich Paul, he obviously knew that this was a possibility and he needed somebody who could wield the, the, the big stick. And Rich Paul has shown the willingness to do that. And then secondly, you know, I spent time with Anthony in the preseason. Um, I honestly did believe he was all in on trying to make this team work. Um, yeah. He was not focused on the future. Um the game I was at happened to be their last preseason game. They were winless in the preseason, and he was really frustrated they hadn't played better, and he put together this just performance in a meaningless preseason game where he was diving for loose balls. And, and I just think that he has given everything to this season. I've never sensed for one bit that he was halfway out the door the way I did with Jimmy Butler in Minnesota, as an example. Um and he t- it takes, frankly, guts, whatever you want to call it. If you're a New Orleans fan, I'm sure you're angry, but it takes guts then to ask for a trade um, yeah. under all these circumstances. Uh, I don't think anybody should test his mettle because I think he's willing, I think he's now showing he's willing to, um, to, uh, to, 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 to do what needs to be done. Yeah, not, not that this is all that important, but the, the agent that he fired was Thad Fouché, which was... Russell, which is Russell Westbrook's agent, which obviously kind of went the opposite direction. A small market, superstar negotiating to stay long-term with this team. So uh, different experiences there. One thing that we didn't get into, though, Brian, that I think is relevant is we didn't even talk about the designated player extension and kind of how, how this is completely backfired, and this is another example of a star player accelerating a process because of that extension. That, that effectively takes free agency off the table and accelerate your free agency to a year and a half, a year early because of that, that extension. If the player is going to turn down that extension, it is, it is essentially the, uh, you know, the, the first step in saying I would like to leave. And this is another example of that designated player extension completely backfiring. So Kevin, um, I would say it's partially backfired. I, three guys have signed it. Um, Westbrook, Harden and wall. They did sign it. You know, it certainly made a big difference for the, the, the Thunder in that regard. Um, uh, but maybe I don't know if Westbrook would have left anyway, though. I mean, maybe like, not. But I, I don't know if the money is the, what swayed him. Sure, that's he, that's he, fair. He but he and Harden were also in unusual situations where they had just recently signed extensions, and basically this just allowed them to get kind of the extra yeah. money and then tack on more years, but. You know, it's more about that than than necessarily committing to the organization. But you know, yeah, Royce, that point is well taken. I mean, I, so, I guess I so. Have, Paul I George, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis. There, am I forgetting anybody? Uh, have left uh, the money. I Kawhi. Mean, Kawhi, that's right. Um, Cousins. No, he didn't want to be traded. I mean, they didn't want to pay him. Cousins wanted to stay. Cousins wanted that money. Um. But you know it cuts both ways. Uh, yeah. What is it, Kevin? About eighty million that Anthony Davis is foregoing here. He would have been eligible I mean, for two hundred and forty million 
extension this summer, and now he's looking at like uh, he can extend for like one seventy in a year or something like that. Is that what it's I mean? About? You know, I think one of the things we've seen in this situation. So I, I wouldn't say that it's backfired in terms of accelerating free agency because that's a that's ultimately a good thing for the Pelicans, it, as you mentioned earlier, Royce. Like if they wanted to, they could hold on to him through free agency. That's true. But now that's they have point. this signal. And they can get a get value for him without going down to the last day. I think that is part of kind of what they were thinking. I think where it's backfired more is it turns out the players who this is most valuable for are the players who aren't sure they're going to get the max when they hit free agency after that third contract. So they're kind of fringe stars, John Wall being an example of that. And now, like, John Wall is perhaps the least tradable contract in the league after right. a, a year plus after signing that extension. That, to me, is the backfiring more even than guys turning it down. That, that's a fair point because, like, Indiana is, again, a good example here is that it backfired in the sense that Paul George gave them the signal to want to leave, but it also worked very much in their favor that it, Paul George gave them the signal to leave and they were able to get Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis out of it. Well, there's, all, there's nuance in all of these situations. I mean, the... The, the in the case of Paul George, the this Pacers organization negotiated like very hard over a two and a half percent increase in his contract. Um, they didn't want to give him the full thirty year thirty percent rose rule, and so they gave him twenty seven and a half percent. And in exchange for that, they gave him an opt out in the fifth year of the deal. So therefore, three years in, it became D Day. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the next guy sort of we're going to be watching is Giannis Tenacumpo. Um, again, the, uh, Bucks negotiate a four year extension instead of a five year extension when they could have given him more. And now it'll rush a little bit at them quicker than it could have. Um, you know, in, Ka- in Kawhi's case, um, there was an issue with the way his injury was treated. These are not all just in a vacuum. Sure. With con- you know, they're, they're all there's nuance to all of them, but the concept that the league wanted, which was to prevent the Kevin Durant's, which was the guys right. bolting after their second contract, um, which LeBron started and other players followed, Chris Paul followed, but was really the Kevin really was designed to prevent Kevin Durant, the guy seven or eight years into his career, nine years in, when they're hitting their prime, bolting on an organization and. It has not stemmed that tide. Anthony, da- what is happening with Anthony Davis is the exact thing that they tried to legislate out in the CBA, and it has not been legislated out. And even if it's going to cost Anthony Davis eighty million bucks, um, he is apparently willing to pay that amount to go to a more desirable location. And that's where we are in today's NBA. And how this works out may determine who the next champion is. Maybe not this season, but maybe. Uh, the season after. So uh, a lot more will be discussed about this. I still feel like we're only at the surface level. Um, Kevin, is there anything else you think needs to, that you want to put out there before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we covered it. Royce, I, I was, I was, I was is, about to be fascinated by Kevin Durant going to the, I was going to say, is this? Can we talk about Nick Collison yet? Is this a good time? Or real, real quick, um, I knew that before Woj's story, which now is buried. But um, what what is the date of Nick Collison's um, March twentieth? Playing the Toronto Raptors. 
So, Serge so Ibaka will also be in the building. It's, it's a long time from now. Mm-hmm. But um, let uh, me say this just because. There, I will say this. A lot of people have been like, why would you have you know, Kevin Durant there? They're just going to boo him. How are the fans going to react? It's not going to be as if they're like introducing Kevin Durant in front of the crowd. The former, any former player that played with Nick Collison is welcome to attend. This is, the Thunder did not extend the invitation. This was something that, that I think that Kevin Durant wanted to do. I think it's a classy gesture from him because he's very appreciative of Nick Collison and the career that he had in Oklahoma City. And it's not as if they're going to be like saying, here's all the former players that came back. They're, those guys are going to be in the background. The night is going to be about Nick Collison. There's not going to be any booing. It's not going to be a big deal. Fair. Um, I'm just going to say that, you know, the the difference between what happened with Cleveland and LeBron, where they designed a jersey retirement. Uh, I actually went back and reread that first chapter again, Brian, just, <laughs> just yesterday so, afternoon. So the, the, the entire design, I mean, they were going to retire as Adrian Solgowskis' number anyway. But mm-hmm. they specifically picked a date where the Heat were in Chicago and had an off night. And they specifically did it with LeBron in mind, and they consulted LeBron when they picked the date, and LeBron tentatively agreed to it, and they went overboard. I, I, I'm fairly certain that Zodunas Ogalskis' jersey retirement was a more elaborate, and it's definitely more expensive, than when Michael Jordan's number was retired by the Bulls. Um, they Just put it this way, they rented like a six-figure display to shoot lasers onto the court. They rented it just for that night. Um, just to give you an example, they brought in at the Cavs expense, dozens and dozens of dozens of LeBron's former teammates. Also Z's former teammates. And basically it was an opportunity to show that Z who had left the Cavs to go play for the heat and was roundly booed and hated not to the level of LeBron, but still roundly booed and hated it was an opportunity to show that the city and the organization and everything would re-embrace him and everything would be wonderful. And LeBron did go and the Heat were annoyed. And maybe it played a 1% factor in LeBron's return. Maybe it played a 12% factor. Only LeBron knows. But it was without any question the side saddle uh, purpose for having that when it, when it happened um, from the day it was conceived was to, was to host LeBron. That yeah. is not the case for Durant, um, by all accounts. This, that's what you're saying. This is not a this is not a recruitment effort it, from from the way I understand it whatsoever. The, the also, Thunder the Cavs did not have them. Russell Westbrook and Paul and Paul George on their right. roster. Right. Uh, the Cavs were desperate. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the Cavs had cap space. I mean, like even 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 if somehow there was a desire for a reunion, like it's not like the Thunder have cap space anytime in the near future. Yeah. I think that this this is an effort on both sides to do what's what I think that the Thunder have tried to do a little bit more of uh, than maybe Durant's side, but is to you know put the past in the past, acknowledge the history together, appreciate the history together. What's going to be interesting to me, Brian, about this whole situation is it's not as if though that um, that this is just a you know show up to the arena and leave type of thing. There's going to be like a hangout you know involved here, so like. There's going to be a lot of former players, I think, that come in for this because, again, Nick Collison is a very appreciated player. And there's going to be a lot of former players that come in. They're going to go hang out, and it's going to be something that, you know, they, they go party together. So, and, and that's not to say that they don't get along with Kevin Durant. I think some of those things can be a little overstated. But, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, going to be, um, there's going to be more to a, this than just. It's going to be a fascinating know, night. Yeah. Um, and before we go, just because 
were talking about reunions. It is theoretically possible that the everything could wait till the summer and that the Celtics could sign Kyrie Irving and trade for Anthony Davis. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Have a good day. We'll talk more about this later in the week. <laughs>